Welcome to another Small Business Weekly, coming to you almost live from the lovely city of San Fernando in our COVID bunker, dishing out just the right amount of knowledge and understanding to help you get your business back in the race. Today's show is a marketing bonanza, so get your coffee, turn up that pod player of yours, and join us for episode 004, SEO and other acronyms. Okay, now that I got that over with, uh, I'd like to say welcome to everybody for our show this week. I have a special guest, a friend of mine, at least I like to think he is, and uh, an associate, and uh, we're going to have a conversation today about marketing, and uh, we're going to talk about marketing with small businesses and what you guys need to know. And I'd like to introduce Eric Penn. He's the digital account director for Penn Digital. And uh, Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. Good, good. So, um, Eric, because uh, it's been my modus operandi in these shows to not remember anything about my guests and what they used to do, so I'll give you the opportunity to summarize your sort of history and... uh, Give us a little bit of info on why you uh, know a lot about marketing and and how uh, how you got where you are. Thank you. So I got started in marketing kind of a, a circuitous fashion. I began my career in film producing. And, uh, graduating from USC, and I was really excited to be a film producer, and I, I soon realized in that career when I took the path of special effects that I'd be more interested in advertising and marketing. So I made a transition after a couple of years into the advertising world. And in Southern California, there's some really big agencies that focus on car accounts. So I kind of... Uh, if you will, cut my teeth on some work on Honda at Ruben Poster. And that was quite a while ago. Uh, I've been in the business now, oh, counting the numbers in my head. <laughs> we'll just put a round number of uh, 20 years. There you go. So uh, my start with them was actually programming Honda.com 1.0. And back then, it was, um, you know, a really coordinated effort amongst a lot of people. I might have been the lead, but um, we worked with account people and the media people, as well as the technology department, because it was all new. This was uh, mid-90s. Oh, yeah, man. Those were the days. (laughs) Those were the days. HTML. You could put anything out there. Yeah, HTML and Flash. Anything mm. out there was magic. Gee. So I moved on to work on more car accounts like Mitsubishi and Lexus. But um, you know, as I expanded my knowledge, you know, I got to realize how important digital was. Uh, everybody out there has their preferred communication channel. And when working with clients, and we're talking about small business clients today, you know, it, it became really important to understand, you know, just like with a big client, well, who's their target market? You know, some of the basics, like who are you trying to sell to? 
know, what is it that you make and um, why is it important to that market so that you actually sell your product? Yeah, so, that, that's a that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the reality is, is that we came to learn through programming websites that you know, it had to be monetized in some way. And that's where my background in storytelling became really valuable because like they teach you, you know, in school the very first time you read any story, that English professor or history teacher is always talking in terms of a beginning and a middle and the end. And whether that's a, a banner, which was kind of where things started, where today it's all integrated content, right? You, you're paying the YouTube celebrity to integrate your brand into whatever story that they happen to be telling. And they've found a unique way to tell the story of the day and captured audiences. Typically, you want to work with somebody on that level at the caliber of, you know, 100,000 people or more. But you can go all the way down with small business owners to as little as 5,000, 10,000 followers. And if you're in a really tight niche, finding those kinds of social media personalities is really valuable to your brand because two things. One, you're reaching your target market in the area they want to be spoken to. And two, it's going to be cost effective. So that's really what we learned over the years is understand you know, who you're working with, right? the, the, the client, what is is they're selling, and how we're going to communicate their, their product or their value proposition. Yep. So there's all kinds of you know, great terminology that come with it. And I, I, I will try my best to not slip into marketing lingo and just, you know, make this down to earth and straightforward, you know, so oh, well, you're trying you... to sell something and the reason you sell something is make a living. Well, I, uh, very much enjoy hearing lingo. So don't, uh, okay. don't hesitate to throw out a real inside term and then explain it because I'm going to write it down okay. in my little book. Uh, I actually have, <laughs> I literally have a book of uh, newspeak, you know, uh, okay. uh, the slang terms. So anyway, that's an aside. All right. But what's interesting is that some of the things you just mentioned that you work with on, you know, large companies are not really that different when you bring it way down to the guy, you know, selling books on the corner. I mean, you really... The principle is still the same, I think, is what you're uh, getting at. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to... Right. So one of the things that's very different in today's market uh, with any client that isn't, is not starting from absolute scratch, but is starting with a little bit of history of, hey, I've got this product. I've been selling it for, let's say, six months, a year, maybe three to five years. And they realize, you know, I want to reinvest in my communication and start packaging myself to a bigger audience because I want to start scaling. And that's sort of the, that's usually the green light to, to say, okay, well, I'm an expert in what I make and what I do, but I'm not an expert in how I communicate it. And that's, that's pretty much the definition of marketing. Right. So now we get into a place where, as you noted, that you might have 
um, you know, let's say a car client, and that would be somebody that spends just on, say, website alone. That might be uh, on the low side, a hundred thousand could be up to a million dollar website. Mm-hmm. Now you scale that to say small business owner, and that person has maybe fifteen hundred dollars to have a meaningful website. And they say, okay, well, I've had a website and I spent my $1,500 and it could be more, it could be less. Um, and they're starting to realize that this doesn't, this doesn't reflect their brand in the way they want it to. Mm-hmm. So they might address, well, what's my you know, logo look like? And is my communication cohesive? Mm-hmm. And when I say, when I say somebody cohesive, because they might not say that about themselves, you want to ensure that how your brand is viewed across any and all communication channels is is the same so that they know, they being your, your market, they know who they're talking to, right? So I don't change my logo just because I feel like the color blue looks better today when my logo was green yesterday, right? I always want to stay consistent with the color palette, um, the look and feel, and I communicate that brand message, whatever it is. <clears throat> The same message should be received regardless of what communication channel I need to reach my target market. Yeah, you know, uh, what's interesting is that I've been involved in a, several uh, small, uh, you might call them guerrilla marketing, but face-to-face, uh, you know, uh, networking. It's where, you know, you go to a group once a week and everybody meets and they sort of refer each other. The, the group's called Team Referral Network, but... One of the things they teach there, and one of the things that I learned back when I was in the 10KSB program with Goldman Sachs was elevator pitch, you know, how to articulate and summarize what you do without spending 45 minutes with somebody. Uh, I don't care how complex it is. In the end, you have something that's this little egg, and you have to describe it. And it's... It's fascinating to me to see people who've really been selling that egg for a long time, but haven't really thought much about it other than here it is and do you want it? And to get them in that room and to start really honing it, it's fascinating to see them go from terrible to terrible. to really practiced and dialed in. And I really enjoy mm-hmm. that because it seems to be the first step of what you're talking about, which is knowing what you do so that you can define who it is who wants it. And you just demonstrated one of the, one of the key things that we like to rehearse with any client is one asking that question so they'll ask themselves. And so, I'm going to I'm going to put myself on the hot spot and I say, "Okay, well what is Pen Digital about?" Mm-hmm. And just as you described, my elevator pitch should be, you know, one to three sentences tops. That's mm-hmm. it. I've got, you know, 10 or 30 seconds with this person. So mm-hmm. I know that's what I've got to say and I say simply Pen Digital is an interactive company that specializes in websites, phone apps, and SEO. Right. End of story. So it took me a long time to know what I wanted to do and what I wanted to specialize in. And that's the same question that you ask of any client. And sometimes they really can't nail it down and they start to realize, well, I do 10, 20 different things. There's no way I could say that in an elevator pitch. 
and the light should go on right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, maybe you've got to figure that out. <laughs> well, right. Um, maybe it's maybe you do need to sell that many things, but you've got to have an umbrella that allows you to communicate it in an elevator pitch because you're going to find yourself in those situations very often. And how you know those are like icebreakers, right? How do you get going with a potential new client? Yeah. Well, here's a funny uh, uh, anecdote in that area. I, I one of my first jobs while I was still in college, like first year in college was working at a music store because I believed that I was going to be the next Rick Wakeman and uh, I was going to play keyboards and it was just really fabulous and the school thing, you know, it's just going on. So I'm, you know, 19 years old, slaving away at, you know, this little music store. And the guy in there was sharp. He was a great saxophone player, but he was also a huge marketing guy. And he looked at me, you know, and he had a lot of time sitting around there waiting for the next customer. And he said, Tom, what do you think we sell here? And I'm like, well, you know, we sell musical instruments, we sell uh, lessons, we sell... He says, no, we sell dreams. And I'm yes, like, whoa. And he says, nobody who comes in here is going to be famous. And most of them aren't even going to finish their lessons. But they all dream that they want to be that guy. And you have to make sure they can live that dream for either one week or one year or whatever it might be. And I'm like, wow, I never turned around and looked at things from that perspective. It's, it was fascinating. I love that. And and that's a that's a very smart technique. What he's what he's drawing on, and there's there's two really great ones. One is the Procter and Gamble, you know, problem solution type of package. And most things are exactly what he described or was looking for you to, mm -hmm. to latch onto, which was aspirational communication, right. right? Somebody wants their clothes to be cleaner because they aspire to have white clothes for once because they're always dingy or <laughs> <clears throat> they want their network to be so carefree and run perfectly every time they turn on the computer. There's no lag time. Everything I want comes up on screen really quick, or if there's something I want to learn about, I get on the phone and bam, Tom answers the phone. You know, mm -hmm. as a consumer or your target market, I, you know, that's what I want. That's what I care about. That's what I aspire to. It's like, how do I get that? And mm -hmm. so, when I package Pen Digital, I'm talking about much the same thing. I like to specialize. Now, see, now I'm going into a little bit of nitty gritty, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to tell somebody once they're interested and in beyond that elevator pitch. Oh, you want a website? Okay. Well, I specialize in WordPress as a platform, and the reason why is because it gives you the convenience of portability, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to tie yourself to Wix or any of those other platforms when you have control over your own platform and it's portable anywhere you want to go. Well. Yeah, and the question is, well, why do I care about that? Well, let me ask you. Now we got to get into what you're doing for your business and why is this website important. Right. So that website in any communication when I'm working with somebody is important on both sides of the fence. It's, it's important for that business, but it's important for me as a contractor because Wix and those kinds of other paid services don't do a great job in capturing data and history and figuring out, well, you know, what kind of traffic am I getting? It'll give you the basics like, oh, you got this many people this month. That's great. Blah, blah, blah. But what I really want to know is where are they located? Are, were they legitimately, you know, within my, um, 
uh, zones that I'm trying to service mm-hmm. and what is it that they want and who else did they go to? This is a really big thing. When you get into the, the SEO world and you start rolling out some of the the um, proprietary tools mm-hmm. because you can't just you know, go to the market and say, oh, I want to buy the tool so I can sniff out my competitors. No, no, no. <laughs> that's what you pay. <laughs> that would be nice. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. That's what you pay for when you're hiring somebody to do that kind of work for you. No. Now, when you're a small business owner, you still want to know that information, but your budgets might be something more realistic like, okay, right now, you know, I can't afford Penn Digital, but I wonder if I could talk to Penn Digital and ask them, how do I get my toe started? And any digital company should be more than willing to help you with some of these starter steps because it will help that company later when, you, when you've seen that business grow and they come back to you and say, oh, that was a really great tip. Then they start to realize, oh, I captured all this data and I learned all this stuff about my brand and now I know better what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. right? That helps me as now your SEO manager yeah. to set up, you know, what kind of changes we need to make to your communication and what kind of areas we need to track closer because ultimately this is going into a, a sort of a research and we're going to comb through uh, what keywords are getting traffic to your site right now and what keywords our competitors receiving traffic because maybe we're missing some things that we should be talking about and we want those search results to come back to us too. Yeah. So, you know, using search engine optimization as a great example, but in ex- it's not the most cost effective one to start with. So well, let me, let me just you mention, you don't get there. Let me just say that, uh-huh. uh, uh and you said it just now, I'm going to clarify again, search engine optimization, we're shortening as SEO. And it's grown to be a different beast than it used to be. And what fascinates me is that nowadays, Google, YouTube, Apple, they rely as much on the data they collect on their platforms, being you know, mobile apps, uh, web search engines, uh, the, the video apps that Netflix brings out, they rely on the data they can get from you in the background as much as they do on the advertisements they get. And it's fascinating to me that a small business who might sell wedding dresses is not isolated from the ability to use that same information. And it's not like you've got to spend $100,000 a year. It's that you've got to really decide that you want to do it. You know, is that a fair statement? I think it's very fair. You know, and, and, and in that decision comes, you know, the budget, right? Am I willing to dedicate X amount of budget a month to do that? And if I am, um, then I need to know that I'm going to see an increase of sales not only to cover that expense, but it needs to be over and above. Yeah, and and what I wanted to also tie into is that most of the people that, not most of the people, but a lot of small businesses, and and I'm talking those, you know, uh, mom and pops with three or to five or ten employees, their idea is to buy a mailing list and then send flyers or to uh, buy an email list and send out uh, mail. 
what you're talking about here is something that is sort of the advanced version or steroid version of something like that, where you're not just asking for addresses, you're asking for information, and you're getting that information. In other words, it, that's what it, marketing used to be, you know, and a lot of people right. still services, do it. Yes, yeah, services that you just described are services that you would subscribe to, mm-hmm. right? And then basically you get in return that um, that package that's communicated out. So it's it's called a collateral piece, and it falls under the category of DM or direct marketing, and that's very successful, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's what we've seen for years, and that's really one of the places things started. So when I went into the description of SEO, I was talking not so much as buying a package anymore, um, but rather buying digital information <clears throat> that's then leveraged, right? Because in the one case, the digital information is sort of dealt with on the outside, and that fulfillment house will either put door hangers out there or postcards in people's mailboxes. Correct. But they never show you the data. When you're working with somebody in SEO, part of the process is going over the data every single month and reviewing successes and I would say, you know, not failures, but we'll call it, you know, strong response or not a strong response because you're you're all about refining, refining, refining and improving, improving, improving. And that's why those kinds of contracts or relationships have to take place over a minimum of six months up to at least a year because otherwise you can't see a result you know by the next day like you can with the direct mail piece or you can't see the next month because it takes time for it to grow SEO you know uses the word search engine um, uh, excuse me search optimization <laughs> optimization <laughs> but the but the O is what was throwing me because I was re- remembering that that's also called or in a category of organic marketing right it's 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 triggered by somebody's organic search right they're doing it themselves they're not being triggered by anything they thought of it and i want this right now because it's a need that i have now there's the other end of the spectrum and this is where i would say is a great place for a small business owner to dip their toe start understanding the value of keywords and knowing what kind of results they can get for their particular product. You know, is their target market strong in the digital market? And would uh, pay-per-click is what it's called, buying PPC on, say, Google or one of your other favorite search engines so that your search result ends up at the top of the list above organic results. And, it, you know, it's, it's designated advertising section and that's okay because people you know that are not trying to make their search difficult will click right away on an advertised link because it's worth it to them to shortcut their time they they have allowed to find what they need well yeah and a lot of times if you were uh, to uh, buy a pay-per-click ad that is focused on your geographic area and then you, and let's say it's, uh, you know, Mary's bridal and some uh, girl's looking for a dress and she searches, uh, you know, bridal dresses. 
and you come up higher than David's bridle, that person may notice, oh, this is just down the street from me, or it's just local. So you've captured a possible customer before they went to the big guys. And your cost on that, you know, to acquire that customer may be pretty reasonable. Right. Right. Because pay-per-click, as you just referenced, is offers geotargeting. And it also allows the fact that you pay per click. Right. <laughs> so let's say you put a bank of money. A typical amount might be, I'm going to spend $500 on this pay-per-click thing for the month. And I'm going to pick these 10 keywords. And you know what you learned is, one, how many of those 10 words actually get clicked on, right? And two, you only paid when somebody clicked on it. So it's really cost-effective. And if a client says, I need immediate results, then you know whatever that budget is, they, we, we might take 10%, 20% of that total budget for the month and say, you know what, they need a win right away. Let's go put a big 20% chunk of the total budget into PPC and show them that online traffic can be driven to them immediately. And you know that kind of helps the numbers when you're working with somebody like everybody is very result driven, but let's say they're in some immediate need to prove that this expense is going to pan out. That's typically the first strategy. And that's something that even you know, a small business owner can do on their own. Yeah. And when they do that, and this is the part I like about it, yeah. is that it's no, it doesn't hurt me as an SEO expert because what they do is they come back and say, hey, these are my results, and this is what happened when I did this. But now I see why, from experience, that SEO is even more important, but it takes longer to grow it. And so that's where the real battle is. You can fight all day over keywords with other people, but really, once you kind of have realized where your best keywords are, mm -hmm. then you start to realize, well, I shouldn't need to spend all of my budget just on PPC. And so yeah. that, that $500 a month budget might, might not get spent in its entirety each month. But when it does, then you start to realize this is really working and you can grow that or you can start to look into SEO management. And that's yeah. when we work together with that business and we have a lot of background data because for me to design an effective SEO plan without any history on what they've been doing, it's like, well, then we've got to go create that history. Yeah. Right. So that means we have to have to then do some research and see what your hot words are and there's lots of proprietary tools and everybody uses them yeah and then you have you start that list and then you start moving right so if somebody's already moved on their own they already know the value coming into the conversation yeah and sometimes it makes it go so much better. sometimes that experiment is worth the uh the time it takes for both you, know, you as a, a marketer and and the business themselves because it also gives them experience in doing something like this in a it sets them up better to uh, hear the message of how their marketing sort of works together. You know, it seems to me anyway. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I mean, once you sort of know who you are and who you want, the next discovery that happens, um, maybe it happens because you, you're in direct contact with your, with your customers. Um, let's say 
you know, as a president, you have managers and coordinators that, that do that stuff directly because your job is to kind of plan how to, how to grow and scale the business. But when you're on the ground and you're working one-on-one with your customers, you start to learn that there's segmentation. Because we all know there's going to be segmentation of gender. There's going to be seg- segmentation of household income. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned earlier geotargeting. Th- those are all very, very important segmentations. And those segmentations will probably need different communication. And if you're not aware of that existence, then you're not going to be aware of your need to address them individually. Right. right. So this is... This is how we start to peel back the onion and get to understand not only what you have and how to get it to the right person, but who is that out there? Who is it? Yeah. Well, and that's. I I often think that the small mom and pops have have by design or by accident have not spent enough time understanding who walks in the door. For, for example, a, a, a small uh, restaurant, uh, they might uh, specialize in Mediterranean food, and yet they're in a, uh, a Hispanic neighborhood. And their choice of getting into that neighborhood may solely have been because the rent was cheap. But, but they're busy. Now, what demographer would have said... An area that has 98% Latino, you know, for lack of a better word, is going to flock to buy gyros. <laughs> you know? And so right. what did you just find out? But see, they're just making food, and they, their assumption is the first guy that came in told nine people, and they came in, and they liked it and told nine people, and that, that's what we needed, and we got it. Or the flyers we sent out was all we needed to do. And I think that they're missing um, an, a market, let's put it that way. You know, they're missing the ability to reach more people. And uh, people fall into things. And, and here's the, the, the right. caveat. When people stop showing up, you wonder what happened. And I think it's because you have yeah. no idea how those people found right. you. There's just nothing. It, it's it, right. And and you you're a victim. No, no, you, know? you have no foundation. You're right. You're not acting proactive. You you were you reactively succeeded, and then suddenly you reactively <laughs> aren't succeeding. Yeah. And it's because you never looked right. You never looked past the making the next gyro. It's like oh, I got another order. I got to make another gyro. Mm-hmm. And you know. Why, I, I'm, I'm making this up just like you are, but why did that particular food option work well in that neighborhood? Well, maybe because it was, um, you know, it was counter programming, meaning that that area was flooded with one type of food already, and now this it was something different. So it boomed for the first six months, and then everybody was like, well, I know what that place is about now, and, you know, now that they've been there a while, they started backing off on the quality and you know other things that could potentially change yeah but just as you noted looking above the sale of you know the second or third gyro and understanding why it did well at first and why it might not have a lasting success is really important to your communication because they could realize you know 
it worked well because it was counter programming and that's great but you know what if we looked a little deeper we might realize that we're adjacent to a whole like uh, a whole community of people that this is their native um, favorite fast food mm -hmm. and, and now we're talking you know QSR yeah. or quick service restaurant marketing mm -hmm. right and so that that understanding of what your location represents is super important yeah. if you're a location-based business, right? If you're a business that is service-oriented that goes to somebody and it's not a service that they come to you for, yeah. then you have to take that into account. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I'm going to change gears a little bit uh, because uh, I, something occurred to me. But one thing that I've said in almost every one of these shows so far, and I, I think it's going to be my running gag, which is sometimes you got to work on the business instead of in the business. And the the restaurant we just described is endemic of that because usually it's two people who are either married or brother and sister or you know a family of some sort, and they're just cranking away, working hard, and they can't get out of it, you know? They can't stop long yeah. enough to consider some of these things. And so what I've noticed, to put this into context, what I've noticed is COVID gave a lot of people a forced amount of time to think about what the heck I'm doing and how I'm going to, yeah. quote, get out of this. And one, the last show I did was with uh, Christina, who runs a, uh, you might call it a thrift store. And their, their claim or their uh, unique, uh, shoot, what was I going to say? USP, unique selling proposition. There you go. US, thank you. I'm writing that down. USP. Um, their unique selling uh -huh. proposition was that they curate their uh, collection, they call it. So this month they are piling on the 1960s era tie-dyed look. We've got a whole bunch of these clothes. They did a great social media setup. And things are great, right? And then suddenly they're closed and they can't open. They started opening what I call a new revenue stream, which is we're going to go and start selling on um, Instagram. We're going to start selling on Facebook. We're going to start having online events where people can get discounts if they buy while we're broadcasting. And they have now created a demand. And what's happened is they've had to get shipping licenses to send all over the United States because they didn't realize that their events are reaching everybody. And when you're stuck in a little town, you assume that everybody's going to come from within 10 miles. But the minute you go online, if you've got that kind of product or if you're thinking there, boom, anybody could want this. And so right. that, it was an interesting story to me because it has a lot to do with if they had really thought it through, they might have, and they still have an opportunity to accelerate that uh, not so much revenue stream, but a uh, 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 pathway to bring that customer in. That's my story. It's interesting. You, it's a great story and, and a segue into 
what I was just about to mention, uh, it, it's, it's um, called audience profiling. And that's essentially what they did, right? Because their audience or their target market was told to stay at home and, and their shop didn't qualify as essential as far as, you know, medical or food. So they maybe took a leap of faith and said, well, let's go and try to sell our stuff in a market that's still open to us. And what they had to discover was how they needed to profile their audience as now national. And what does that mean to their business? Like they didn't just invest suddenly in communication in social media platforms. The two you named were Facebook and Instagram, but they, <laughs> they had to change their whole uh, accounts uh, uh, or fulfillment yeah. process. Yeah. And so these are things like when you're working with a marketing person, we have tons of little terms for everything. And, they, and the thing is, is that there's nothing special about what we're talking about. It's all known and understand, understood process. It's just that when you work with someone that's from marketing advertising background, they have kind of all the key words and key phrases that help you focus as a business owner on what kind of information that you need to organize so that you're able to grow. And the next thing that they did, which is really important to any business, is how you grow or what's called scaling, right? Because if you start a business, whatever that business is, whether it's selling the gyros to you know your local market, at some point, if you're going to continue to improve, you've got to figure out how do I find a bigger market? How do I stay relevant? And what is it about my audience that I can learn to make my product important to them? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that profiling that that you know and segmentation is part of those steps to getting closer mm-hmm. to increasing business, increasing revenue. And you know, those are great examples too of how in an online or digital world the data is so important. Yeah. So yeah. never before there's so much data available, but now it becomes sometimes we could say it's a crutch, but you know, the idea is that we can make things much more analytically based and much less creative based. Mm-hmm. They, they still need the combination of the two. I'm never going to never going to say without a, a good logo, you're not and doesn't express what your brand's about. That, I'm never never going to say that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you have one. No, yeah, it's great. Um, everybody's got, you know, what is it? Asses and elbows. So the the importance here is to know that you can't you know completely only solely rely on data but there's so much more available that it becomes so much more targeted and that's really as a a digital person a you know big mathematics organization person that's why i got involved and and continued my career in this area because it was just fascinating to come up with communicate with people and, and grow businesses. Well, it, and what fascinates me is that, and, and this is something I've also talked about in the past, which is it's, sometimes you walk into someone's business and you see uh, such a potential. You know, they're out there and they're doing well, 
I look at it and I go, why doesn't everybody know this? This is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. How is it going? Oh, you know, it's going okay. You know, th they seem sort of lackluster. They seem sort of disappointed, but, you know, optimistic. And you're like, dude, you should be killing it. What's wrong? You know? Right. And it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think the sometimes the most, uh, for me, there's two areas. Uh, for the first area is your, if you're a, a, a storefront, it's your physical representation of what the business is so that when people walk in, are they walking into a swap meet or are they walking into a place that's cool? that makes them want to come back. And then the second thing is, what is their, um, you know, uh, design presence online, uh, in the store? How is that unified so that if I go on their website, they, A, have one, B, it isn't bad, C, it, uh, it knows that I went there. You know what I'm saying? And, and so from, yeah. a, from a customer-facing standpoint, sometimes people just don't consider that important what they consider important is, well, I'm sending out flyers once a month, and I don't know why no one's coming here. Well, <laughs> maybe you should try to figure that out before you send too many yeah. more. You know? Well, so segueing into my next thing I was going to talk about, which was kind of marketing speak 101 in a digital aspect, is trying to define you know, your, your ROI and how do you prioritize it. And yeah. We like to define these five steps as analytics, retention, refine, content, and relevance. And so, so just to break each one of those down, analytics, of course, is ensuring that you're tracking what your customers are doing. Because if you're solely dependent on your memory or um, you know, your, your coworkers' uh, reports, there's very little, very little assurance that you'll capture everything. And very high probability that lots of things will get missed. Right. So then retention is looking at, well, is my messaging reaching the basics of uh, defined often as reach and frequency, right? Because you got to reach them in the area that's important and the frequency, you know, they might need to see it, t your message, your, your unique selling proposition, your USP 10 times before they've seen it at least three times in one area that prompts them to want to take action, right? Because without that action, you're not going anywhere. And then to get them to do so, we look at the content. Like, what is it that we're saying? What is it that we want to um, reach? What is it that um, is most important as far as connecting us with a market, right? Because if we connect, let's say, you could connect it to this brand new market, but they're not interested in you. Well, probably the content's a little off. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally relevance, because those two are very interwoven. Relevance is to say that now that you've reached them, now that they're interested, are they actually telling their friends and family about what you do? You know, that's right. just as important. Yeah, I think uh, it's fascinating because Relevance speaks also to uh, the fact that maybe you reached them, but maybe they don't want what you have, or maybe what you have needs to be uh, tweaked a little bit 
in order to appeal to a broader base. There might be five guys who really love that uh, military outfit you sell, but why am I selling it if only five guys want it? <laughs> That's one sale a year, you know? You're right. Yeah, and you could close that in January and go to sleep. <laughs> there you go. Right. I'm good to yeah. go. But see, that. But I also uh, I see sort of the definition of the process. And it it's interesting for me because I'm just sort of hanging it out over here. You sort of do the marketing you know how to do. But when you see it outlined, it's almost like, see that that's a ladder over there and each one of those rungs will eventually take you to the top but if you don't yes. know what to do with it you're you're messed up you don't know how do i get to the top right. of the you, roof yeah and in fairness you became expert in making that product and now you're asking how to be you know how do i better you know how do i make more or how do i rather increase my market so that i can make more right yeah each one is interwoven, and each one is based on my favorite decision process, which is cost benefit. If it costs me ten dollars to go make you know, hundred, then yeah, I'm going to spend the ten dollars. And so that's where analytics make it a lot easier for finance departments to spend on SEO and SEM because they can see results really quickly. They cost of acquisition. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we we used to uh, talk a lot in uh, my classes about how you have, like you said just a second ago, you spent your whole life learning how to build those chairs. You build the best Adirondack chairs on earth. That's what you do. You're a uh, woodworker, an engineer, a designer. That's what you do. You shouldn't have to also be a marketer. You shouldn't have to be a website designer. You shouldn't have to be a salesman. And people think that they feel bad if they can't do it all themselves. And right. uh, we, we used to have a saying in the computer industry, it's not what you know, it's what you know how to look up. And in, <laughs> as a business owner, it's the same thing. It's, it is, it's, absolutely. It's, it's who you know how to hire. And if you get yeah. the best little scaling, team. Right. Because it is it is in your garage or, you know, in your home office when you're getting something started. And I am a big proponent of organic homegrown businesses. Uh -huh. And when they reach the point where you've defined what you're doing, you absolutely must seek how to grow. Yeah. And just because you were uh, – fabulous on Etsy doesn't mean you can actually create a business, you know, and there's a, a, right. a lot of people who can't understand why nobody's buying their jewelry anymore, you know, and right. But Etsy loves you. Oh, <laughs> Etsy yeah. found you and tons of other little business owners that want to be, you know, a little workshop all by themselves at home because it's a hobby business. And yeah, what business do you want to be in? You want to be in the jewelry making business, or do you want to be that platform? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The platforms actually failed. Right. People don't. Uh, not people. I don't want to generalize too much because every business owner is different. But I think there is a common thread that there are certain things they need assistance with. One of my pet peeves is bookkeeping and accounting. You know, you can't just walk in with a box of receipts. 
hello. And, and the other is marketing. I cannot design my own logo. I love design. I, I'm fascinated with it. I can work with it, but forget it, man. I'm just not going to do it. I, I tried twice. It's a waste of my time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I bill out. It's like me. I, I used to go to these lawyers and they would hire me to fix their computers. And I'd walk in their office and there's this guy in a suit on the floor underneath his desk tweaking his PC. And I, I said to the guy, how much do you charge per hour? He said, well, our base rate's 350 an hour. I said, well, mine's 150. How about I do that? And you go back to earning 350 an hour. And yeah. yeah. And this, you know, seven-year college-educated lawyer had never considered that cost-benefit analysis. Yeah. Your favorite term. <laughs> it is. And that's what, you know, that can be a real savior in a lot of situations where you realize, hey, um, I really love this thing, but if I put it in those terms, I can realize that that's a passion project and that's not a profit project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it has also to do with your exit strategy. If you're doing this for a living and you want to eventually stop doing it, you have to reach a level of success that will allow you to back away or to sell the business or whatever it might be. And in order to do that, you have to hire somebody like Penn Digital to come in and accelerate your growth so that you can take a breather and at least go on vacation. <laughs> right. I mean, okay, Junior doesn't want to be a carpenter, but at least you'll make enough money to retire, you know? <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, I, I hope that's everybody's goal is to, to, to reach a place of um, stability, but to put it in... The terms I think that's better for anyone is is stable growth. Mm -hmm. right? If you can get into stable growth, then one that business is um, mark it's it can be purchased, right? Yeah, it's worth somebody else buying because you can put a value on it. Yeah, if it's just you know homo homeostasis, <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody wants an egg that never hatches. <laughs> <laughs> but you got an egg. <laughs> Yeah, the shell with no yolk is not not paying any bills. <laughs> no, and I, and that is so uh, uh, true from a standpoint of just obser observing businesses that I've seen in in my local area, and it's one of the reasons why I try to do this. Which is, if even a few of them listen to what we've talked about, it may get them the wheels turning. Oh, maybe I'll hire my genius nephew who knows a lot about Facebook to help me with ads. <laughs> At least they're thinking about it, you know, and that's right. They're thinking about it. Yeah, they'll eventually and, get to know, that level. Those platforms, yeah, they'll get to that level, and those platforms have made it really easy for the business owner to get involved. You mentioned that other business that started doing things on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, that's that's the whole point of those platforms is to allow more people to create businesses with their creativity and you know make a living in, in a new and unique ways I mean that's really what the world is looking for is yeah. show me something new like what else what could be better than 
the same old hammer that I've been using. Well, mm. you know, I want to know what that is, and I want to, and I want to buy it, and or you know, this is what I've created, and how do I sell it, right? Yeah. If I just make it and don't ever figure out how to communicate what's going on, then nothing happens. So, well, you know, you, you, I really like what's happened on the social media platform because it's a really useful and measurable tool and using analytics to describe what can be done to help a business is a great way for that business owner to understand what's happening with their with their marketing dollars. Well, we're sort of grinding on our hour here and I but you know maybe we can revisit this or in a couple of weeks and do a do another one about marketing because there are a couple of things we talked about at the beginning that I'd like to drill down into at some point, which is sort of this internet-based cult of personality. And, you know, what did you call them? The uh, 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 not, social media celebs. <laughs> yeah, social media personalities, celebrities, uh, uh, influencers, and yes, and also the ability to become an expert within your field, leveraging things like YouTube uh, and, uh, and, and other video-based platforms to draw people in to understand that not only do I know what I'm talking about, but I'm an expert and they might want to buy from me. These are, these are new and, and uh, interesting things that people with small businesses don't always believe that they should be a part of or Maybe they are a part of it, but they're not executing properly. Or uh, I, I don't know. I, I would just like to bounce that around with you a little bit to find out what your thoughts are about those things. And, and maybe we can uh, have a different, and depending on what kind of feedback we get from this, maybe we can focus on that and a few other uh, marketing-based uh, techniques or phenomenon, for lack of a better word. That sounds good. So, yeah. A simple yes is cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Well, well uh, ideally, you know, somebody could hear this and think, hey, I could get going on a pay-per-click account by logging in to Google and setting up that account. And I can look at scanning my website and what I say about my website right now and getting an idea of how those words that are keywords could rank. And they can do that on their own with all the online tools right now for free yeah. and put, you know, minimum of effort and a little bank of money, of, you know, a couple hundred bucks and see if pay-per-click makes a change in some of their sales funnel and people come to the website or people are picking up the phone or, or the phone is ringing a little bit more often, right? Yeah. That's That's usually... A real big sign like, whoa, why is the phone ringing a lot more this week than it did last week? Oh, yeah, we turned on the pay-per-click stuff. Right, and then turn it off and see if the phone stops ringing. Yes. I mean, it's a, yes. it's a very interesting... I've played with this myself, and it's a very uh, hard to understand at first, so there is a little bit of a, a learning curve, but I, I think it's fascinating, and to to realize and to see that people actually searched with that word and it came up this many times. Yes. Uh, it's, it's great. The feedback loop is, is, uh, is very uh, Pavlovian. <laughs> I'm checking it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely. 
Well, listen, Eric, uh, this has been uh, fabulous. I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, I know we're going to do this again, but uh, uh, it's been a good hour. And uh, I, uh, for those who are listening right now, Eric Penn, Penn Digital, I'll throw some of his uh, information on the show notes, uh, on the website. Um, just take a look at it. Uh, if you'd like to really talk to him, send him an email. His uh, contact information will be there. Uh, of course, you could always uh, call the Chamber of Commerce, uh, email us here at media at sanfernando.com. So uh, once again, we thank you all for listening. Thank you all for being a part of our little experiment here at Small Business Weekly. So uh, please have a wonderful day. And uh, thanks again to my guest, Eric. You guys have a great day. <laughs>